0: Hello, Amsterdam. We're here today with UVA Radio News and another episode. I am Michaela and I'm here with Ricardo. How are you, Ricardo?
1: I'm great, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm a bit done with the constant rain of these past two oh, weeks. Yeah. And yeah. we have uh, rain for the next week as well. So, could be better. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, today we're going to talk about Kyrgyzstan, which I'm sure uh, half of you cannot point on a map. Oh, I also didn't know. How to where it was. <laughs> yeah, and even this. the name is so <laughs> difficult to pronounce. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then we're talking about the Amazon and a bit of climate change. But first, we want to give you some updates on the Armenian-Azerbaijan situation that we talked about last week. Uh, Ricardo, do you have any update?
1: Yeah, Michaela. So basically, the uh, rages between Armenian and Azerbaijan forces uh, over the region of Nagorno-Karabakh are still continuing. The uh, situation is escalating from day to day. And since the outbreak of the fighting, uh, more than 300 people have died. Uh, yeah, and actually this Thursday, an Armenian Apostolic Church was set on fire oh, wow. due to a rocket fire, mm-hmm. and obviously this has like a big implication yeah. because the religion component is really important in yeah. this conflict. Uh, but Azerbaijan uh, claims that the damage of the church are not related to the military army, but uh, of course, yeah, yeah. But Armenians believe that this has been a, an attack of their spiritual values, mm-hmm. and because this church has an important identifying cultural value yeah, to, to the country. Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, and I saw that like. Uh, Seven thousand people were evacuated uh, from the capital of Nagorno-Karabakh this week. So that's that's a lot of people, and uh, it's getting very intense. Yeah. 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 I hope they will uh, soon resolve the conflict uh, with the maybe with the intervention of the EU or other other powers that can help them with peace talks. Yeah. But um, Armenia and Azerbaijan are not the only ex-Soviet republic that are having troubles right now. We also exactly. have, we also have Kyrgyzstan, and if you want to have a curiosity about Kyrgyzstan, is um, it's valued the 30 points on Scrabble. If wow, you that's that's winning <laughs> for sure. <laughs> if you have that's, the, that's n- the goal. <laughs> yeah. But I read that it's only the second uh, most powerful country on Scrabble. The first one is Mozambique because it has a Z and Q. I mean, well, it's just yeah. A fun I, w- fact. I will say the other, the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and also Kyrgyzstan is one of the least populated countries in the world. Uh, and it's in a deep economical crisis. Uh, and um, for the past 10-15 years, there has been a lot of uprisings. Uh, but this week was particularly intense because there were the elections. And they didn't end super well because there were proofs that these elections were rigged. So the two main parties that won, uh, which names are impossible to pronounce, uh, Birmendik party and uh, Mekanim Kyrgyzstan party, which are parties that originate from older parties that Mm -hmm. Kyrgyzstani inhabitants didn't want anymore. So they're a bit done with old politicians. And uh, yeah, these parties rigged the elections, they won. And uh, there was a giant uprising. The protesters even took the parliament, uh, which is called the White House, also in Kyrgyzstan. And now the government is like operating from a hotel and a theater. Really? Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's like a it's like a book. It's like a story from a yeah. movie, and um, and yeah. So um, the government has announced a new prime minister, and this prime minister was is this guy that was in jail. But he was freed by the protesters that want him as the prime minister. So the same
1: protesters that took like the, the White House.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the same one that freed this um, former opposition lawmaker and uh, and just appointed him as a new governor, kind of. And the current government couldn't say no, actually. So they are they approved him, but there was like no report of the news, so nobody knows if this a legal thing, if it's like what's going on. It's very, very unclear. So it's
1: this kind of chaotic situation don't, where nobody knows what is happening. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And
0: it's so curious to see that it's another ex-Soviet that is having problems because, yeah. Uh, yeah, lately it's a lot like Belarus, Ar- Armenian, Azerbaijan, Yeah. now Kyrgyzstan, Ukraine in the past years. Yeah, it's very intense. So
1: this is actually another sign of the instability in the area, right? And I think yeah. here it's really important to point out that this is like a really worrying situation for Russia, Uh, because Moscow considers this area, uh, its area of influence, and obviously it is not interested in conflict and instability there. Actually, um, Konstantin Satulin, which is like a senior Russian lawmaker, Mm -hmm. really close to Putin, uh, he literally said that there is nothing good about these conflicts for Moscow, and uh, and even Putin, on a broadcast interview, talked about the situation uh, first in Nagorno-Karabakh, and he said that they hope that the conflict will end very soon. And talking about Kyrgyzstan, he said that uh, they hope that everything will be peaceful. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we have seen, like, how Russia does not want to intervene in the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. Uh, There's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, first, to to avoid problems with Turkey. That clearly supports Azerbaijan because of all this religious link with them and Mm -hmm. this uh, kind of, of relation they have. But also because... It has interest in both sides, right? Uh, Russia is really close to Armenia, but on the other hand, for example, they keep selling weapons to, to Azerbaijan. Yeah. And which is strange, and maybe not strange, but a sign of how this is a worrying situation for Russia, is this wait-and-see attitude they are having. It's not the common um, Russia situation under Putin in foreign so affairs. True. Uh and yeah. I think this is this is like a clear proof that the uh, Kremlin is is worried because they are losing their influence.
0: Um, of course, like if I just remember when there was a Ukraine problem with Crimea, like Russia intervened immediately. So it's very unusual that Russia is not uh, saying any statement or supporting any side clearly in, in this conflict. So, but yeah. I was also reading that uh, on this article that of I think it was from the New York Times. I'm not sure that. Um, like Russia is kind of scared that the same things could happen in their own country because uh they they're very afraid that Russian people might have inspirations from Belarusian protests or Kyrgyzstan protest you know so it is a yeah. big big issue now yeah
1: yeah I, because i mean there there are like a lot of links between these these regions and public opinion towards Russia can switch uh, really clear for example in in Belarus uh, with all the Lukashenko conflict uh, when Russia uh, supported uh, the president after the election and, and the protest. There has been actually a complete turn of the public opinion towards Russia in in Belarus, which was till that moment uh, Europe's most uh, Russia-friendly country. Oh, so yeah. it's like it is funny because it seems like Putin that has been so focused on on instabilizing the the West, mm-hmm. successing at it, like maybe influencing the U.S. elections and all of that. Uh, it feels like uh, in this in this exercise of destabilizing the West to present Russia as a, as a great global power, be, uh, again, as an hegemon after the fail of the Soviet Union, uh, it seems like it has disregarded diplomacy on in its own backyard, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of reminds me of the US when they were having so much influence on the Latin American countries and then they kind of lost the handle yeah. of it and it just went really bad, yeah. But uh, yeah, this is really interesting and I'm excited to see the development, especially in the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. Yeah, and, I'm, and
1: I'm actually pretty sure that probably we will hear some voices in Moscow uh, telling that the West might be behind this destabilization yeah. of the, of the yeah, region. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, there is a lot of propaganda from both sides. You know, there is Russian propaganda, but there is also a lot of uh, liberal uh, European propaganda for sure. Yeah. But um, moving on to the next news, uh, which is about climate change, um, there is something going on in the Amazon, right? I've heard some yeah. news.
1: Yeah, so basically some new research came this week and the thing is like Amazon is close uh, close to switching from being a tropical rainforest to a savanna.
0: That's crazy, that's yeah. crazy. Like a savanna is like what's in, you know, in the Serengeti in like exactly. Kenya. So crazy. Yeah,
1: because basically they are losing its characteristic nature as a consequence of climate change. And this happens because uh, rainforests are highly sensitive to changes in, in rainfall and moisture levels. Mm-hmm. So we all remember the fires uh, last year in, in the Amazon, and so they, they keep going on. So recurrent fires and, and rocks as well in recent years have um, resulted in areas losing trees and shifting to, to a savanna, actually.
0: Wow, that's that's crazy. It must be terrible for the, for the animals living there, but... Yeah. I'm thinking also of all the people, uh, you know, the indigenous people that live yeah. in the Amazon. Yeah, and, and it, it
1: is just not a new phenomenon. So, like, the the experts have been warned since, since decades ago.
0: Wow, yeah, and it seems like we don't really try to do anything. Uh, yeah, but um, is the West trying to do something about it? Like, how are international uh, powers responding to this? Yeah, actually...
1: It had an impact on the presidential election in the U.S. Uh, last week. Um, oh wow! Yeah, Joe Biden actually called on the on the wall to offer Brazil like twenty billion dollars to stop uh, Amazon deforestation and threatened Bolsonaro's government with economic consequences of if they course. don't do it. Yeah, <laughs>
0: these sanctions, the U.S. always ready to put sanctions on everyone.
1: Yeah, and actually, uh, Brazil didn't have like a good reaction. Of and course, yeah. yeah. And actually, it reminds us a little bit of what happened uh, last year with. Um, the confrontation between Bolsonaro and the French president Macron uh, back in August 2019, just before the, the G7 meeting, the French president, uh, I don't know if you remember that, he put yeah. a, a tweet because of the Amazon uh, uh, fire saying, like, our house is burning, literally, the Amazon rainforest, the lungs of the world. So he was, like, in a really emotional tone. And this really pissed Bolsonaro out. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, uh, he accused Macron of having, like, a uh, colonialist mindset. Yeah, I um, can see why. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think he would have chosen different words, uh, definitely. Yeah. Because uh, I I wouldn't use, you know, like, saying it's our land uh, related to another country, because yeah. it's not your land.
1: Exactly, it's kind of colonialist, actually. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so actually, I was talking with uh, a Brazilian colleague about this uh, this topic, mm-hmm. because I remember having this conversation last year as well. And she told me, like, in this Really interesting debate about Amazon and the influence of of West uh, countries and all of that. There are literally two sides. I mean, on the one hand, it's undeniable that Bolsonaro's discourse and rhetoric has an effect on the Amazon fires and the yeah. consequences, uh, like deforestation, attack towards indigenous communities. Because he has been actually very open to admit that the that he considers indigenous population a problem for Brazil economic growth. Oh, like wow, someone, that's so crazy yeah, to someone, say. Yeah, it's like something that stops him to to keep uh, growing economically through the exploitation of their natural sources.
0: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: So, yeah, it's undeniable that he has a responsibility, but is he yeah. the only responsible? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. so yeah. yeah, and there is actually a colonialist posture of European countries in, in, in this sense. I mean, it is true that they give a lot of money every year to to Brazil to protect uh, Brazil and the other countries in the region yeah. to protect the Amazon, and it's like it's really important that that money. But I think people from Brazil and I kind of agree with Bolsonaro in here. I'm, I'm scared this. <laughs> no, I'm scared this. Someone puts this out, so out of context.
0: <laughs> I agree with Bolsonaro is a dangerous. Yeah, sentence. yeah. So
1: <laughs> I, I hope like nobody cuts this part of the podcast and is against me in the future. <laughs> but yeah it's like because they gave uh, money to brazil they feel like they have like a strong war there so if you think about the the western countries uh, countries uh, like france in this case yeah. or germany or the scandinavian countries they have like a huge responsibility of on the situation course. not even the amazon situation but the situation planet i mean they have the stronger and the most powerful industries which yeah. are the ones that pollute the most so it's kind of hypocritical to try to hide their responsibility, just blaming uh, Bolsonaro.
0: And, you know, like European countries look so green, you know, with the Green Deal and um, all these things about uh, being sustainable, that the population has to be sustainable. But then they're the first one that like have these huge industries. I mean, not only in Brazil, but also in, I don't know, Indonesia or Asian countries where... They just pollute, uh, give materials that the population doesn't know how to how to recycle. So it's yeah. full of trash. Yeah, it's like mostly Europe' fault, like the Western fault. Yeah,
1: actually, there was like a, a really interesting uh, piece of opinion in the Independent, uh-huh. uh, where a guy, a, guy, a journalist called Assad uh, Recheman. he talked about this these two positions and these two sides of the conflict, and he brilliantly pointed out that uh, neither the fascist right of Bolsonaro. Or the neoliberal center uh, represented by mm-hmm. speakers like Macron or even Joe Biden now have the answer to this environmental crisis.
0: Yeah, yeah, we have to take responsibility for it. Like uh, I was seeing now that the Biden says that if we get elected, he's gonna have a new office, like kind of new ministry only related to climate change. I mean, mm. I think it's more of a move against Trump than actually a move that maybe it's going to implement. Yeah. But that's already something I think that uh, gives a good signal because so many people are skeptical about climate change and the effects of it. But uh, there is a new report that came out this week that said that this September was the warmest September ever recorded. Yeah. It was a 0.5 degree warmer than, la- than last year. And I mean, 0.5 degrees might sound like sound like nothing, you know, but it's, a it's g- a huge, yeah, yeah, especially for the Arctic and the exactly. ice. Yeah, it's it's really, really dangerous and yeah, and scary.
1: I mean, for example, I would say like 0.5 degrees could be a big thing for a, a city like Amsterdam, yeah. <laughs> surrounded by the canal. So that would be like a yeah, game changer. Yeah, we already yeah.
0: are <laughs> under the sea level yeah. and we're protected with dams and everything. So I think uh, we are we could be in danger. Like. Uh, I think it's interesting that Indonesia is moving the capital from Jakarta to another town, and I don't remember the name, uh-huh. because Jakarta is going underwater. Yeah, yeah, they so. are
1: taking caution before. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, I mean the, that's the conclusion we need. Obviously, we need to in the Amazon situation and in the climate situation we have to blame Bolsonaro. Actually, yeah. it was kind of proved that a lot of the of the fires that happened uh, last year and they're still happening were doing on purpose. We provoke yeah, provoke course. Economic interest. Uh, but Western countries are guilty as well, probably even more than, than yeah, in, in yeah. this situation. And I would like to talk in this sense about the Scandinavian countries because I think this is a good, great example of this hypothesis. Yeah, what about it? Yeah, you know, like they always present themselves as these really greener countries, like the more sustainable yeah. countries in the world. There are all these rankings talking about it. Yeah. But what they do is literally... They're throwing their trust to to other countries, and they can do it like from paying them to just uh, put like this their the trust there, yeah, or moving the production to other countries and polluting of there course, because you yeah. know all all these rankings I was talking about they just consider uh, the the pollution you create inside your borders. But oh, what happens okay. if if your big company moves? They pr- its production yeah. to another country and pollute there.
0: Then it looks like the other country is polluting but you are exactly. actually the one Exactly, so it, yeah. literally,
1: is just throwing.
0: But yeah, let's move to some uh, fun news uh, uh, that yeah, is kind please. of our fun <laughs> fact of this week. Uh, so I think you've all watched The Social Dilemma and saw how dangerous social media and technologies are. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this week it came out that there is this uh, sex toy that is a male chastity uh, gadget that is uh, like, it yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like connected to the Bluetooth of your phone, yeah. no? but it actually got hacked uh, and many people found themselves stuck in this uh, electronic device. Oh my like, God. you know, it's like really dangerous and they could only take it out with like a grinder, which, sound, which sounds <laughs> terrifying, honestly. Jesus. And this thing, it's uh, $190, mm. you have to pay for it. So you're paying like (laughs) 190 dollars to
1: get stuck in there
0: Yeah and uh, but yeah it's like uh, developed by China but some I don't know if I read it correctly but some UK hackers found a way into that but yeah um, it's quite funny I thought and uh, yeah definitely definitely
1: not thing I'm I'm planning to buy anytime soon
0: But yeah, if you're also very bored right now in Amsterdam because of Corona. And because uh, of the weather. <laughs> and because of the <laughs> weather. Uh, there is definitely not a lot to do. We know, like, uh, it's terrible, you know, with yeah. the new regulations. Now you, can, you can't you can go out, basically. Uh, like I,
1: I'm sure we have something at least, right? Yeah,
0: we have, like, um, an open mic comedy cafe at Comedy Cafe, which uh-huh. happens every week, usually on Monday and Wednesday. But it's this week, Wednesday, 14 at 20. It's very cool and uh, really funny. Like, people just go up, do stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you have to book online, so if you yeah. are want to go, you, you should uh, give it a try. And there is also a concert this Friday. I think there might be some tickets of this um jazz rap kind of music I don't really know cool. but yeah it sounds really cool and also concert I mean I think people haven't been to concerts in a long time yeah by an artist called the black wave and it's uh friday the 16 at uh seven
1: yeah and probably you have to keep the measure there right like yeah people yeah. will be it with face mask and all yeah that. you can yeah.
0: stand uh, and of course everybody's out at 10 you know with yeah. the new regulations yeah but yeah, this was our weekly news. Thanks, Ricardo, for joining Thank us. Thank you, Michela. And we will be back next week with some new stories and our own take on them. Thanks, guys. Have a nice uh, week. Bye-bye.